Chapter Six of the Fortunes of Glencore. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Fortunes of Glencore by Charles James Lever. Chapter Six: Queer Companionship. When Harcourt repaired to Glencore's bedroom, where he still lay, wearied and feverish after a bad night he was struck by the signs of suffering in the sick man's face the cheeks were bloodless and fallen in the lips pinched and in the eyes there shone that unnatural brilliancy which results from an overwrought and overexcited brain sit down here george he said pointing to a chair beside the bed i want to talk to you i thought every day that i could muster courage for what i wished to say but somehow when the time arrived i felt like a criminal who entreats for a few hours more of life even though it be a life of misery it strikes me that you were never less equal to the effort than now said harcourt laying his hand on the other's pulse don't believe my pulse george said glencore smiling faintly that machine may work badly but it has wonderful holding out i've gone through enough added he gloomily to kill most men and here i am still breathing and suffering this place doesn't suit you glencore there are not above two days in the month that you can venture to take the air and where would you have me go sir he broke in fiercely would you advise paris and the boulevards or a palace in the piazza di spagna at rome or perhaps the chia at naples would be public enough is it that i may parade disgrace and infamy through europe that i should leave this solitude i want to see you in a better climate glencore in a place where the sun shines occasionally this suits me said the other bluntly and here i have the security that none can invade none molest me but it is not of myself i wish to speak it is of my boy harcourt made no reply but sat patiently to listen to what was coming it is time to think of him added glencore slowly the other day it seems but the other day and he was a mere child a few years more to seem when passed like a long dreary night and he will be a man very true said harcourt and charlie is one of those fellows who only make one plunge from the boy into all the responsibilities of manhood throw him into a college at oxford or the mess of a regiment to-morrow and this day week you'll not know him from the rest glencore was silent if he had heard he never noticed harcourt's remark has he ever spoken to you about himself harcourt asked he after a pause never except when i led the subject in that direction and even then reluctantly as though it were a topic he would avoid have you discovered any strong inclination in him for a particular kind of life or any career in preference to another none and if i were only to credit what i see of him i'd say that this dull monotony and this dreary uneventful existence is what he likes best of all the world you really think so cried glencore with an eagerness that seemed out of proportion to the remark so far as i see rejoined harcourt guardedly and not wishing to let his observation carry graver consequences than he might suspect so that you deem him capable of passing a life of a quiet unambitious tenor neither seeking for distinctions nor fretting after honours how should he know of their existence glencore 
what has the boy ever heard of life and its struggles it's not in homer or sallust he'd learned the strife of parties and public men and why need he ever know them broke in glencore fiercely if he doesn't know them now he's sure to be taught them hereafter a young fellow who will succeed to a title and a good fortune stop harcourt cried glencore passionately has anything of this kind ever escaped you in intercourse with the boy not a word not a syllable has he himself ever by a hint or by a chance word implied that he was aware of glencore faltered and hesitated for the word he sought for did not present itself harcourt however released him from all embarrassment by saying with me the boy is rarely anything but a listener he hears me talk away of tiger shooting and buffalo hunting scarcely ever interrupting me with a question but i can see in his manner with the country people when they salute him and call him my lord but he is not my lord broke in glencore of course he is not that i am well aware of he never will never shall be cried glencore in a voice to which a long pent-up passion imparted a terrible energy how what do you mean glencore said harcourt eagerly has he any malady is there any deadly taint that there is by heaven cried the sick man grasping the curtain with one hand while he held the other firmly clenched upon his forehead a taint the deadliest that can stain a human heart talk of station rank title what are they if they are to be coupled with shame ignominy and sorrow the loud voice of the herald calls his father six viscount of glencore but a still louder voice proclaims his mother a with a wild burst of hysteric laughter he threw himself face downwards on the bed and now scream after scream burst from him till the room was filled by the servants in the midst of whom appeared billy who had only that same day returned from Linane, whither he had gone to make a formal resignation of his functions as letter-carrier this is nothing but an assessio nervoso said billy clear the room ladies and gentlemen and leave me with the patient and harcourt gave the signal for obedience by first taking his departure lord glencore's attack was more serious than at first it was apprehended and for three days there was every threat of a relapse of his late fever but billy's skill was once more successful and on the fourth day he declared that the danger was past during this period harcourt's attention was for the first time drawn to the strange creature who officiated as the doctor and who in despite of all the detracting influences of his humble garb and mean attire aspired to be treated with the deference due to a great physician if it's the crown and the sceptre makes the king said he tis the same with the science that makes the doctor and no man can be despised when he has a rag of old galen's mantle to cover his shoulders so you're going to take blood from him asked harcourt as he met him on the stairs where he had awaited his coming one night when it was late no sir tis more a disturbance of the great nervous centres than any derangement of the heart and arteries said billy pompously that's what shows a real doctor to distinguish between the effects of excitement and inflammation which is as different as fireworks is from a bombardment not a bad simile master billy come in and drink a glass of brandy and water with me said harcourt right glad at the prospect of such companionship billy trainer too was flattered by the invitation and seated himself at the fire with an air at once proud and submissive you've a difficult patient to treat there said harcourt 
when he had furnished his companion with a pipe and twice filled his glass he's hard to manage i take it you're right said billy every touch is a blow every breath of air is a hurricane with him there's no such thing as treatin a man of that temperament it's the same with many of them old families as with our racehorses they breed them too fine egad i think you are right said harcourt pleased with an illustration that suited his own modes of thinking yes sir said billy gaining confidence by the approval a man is a machine and all the parts ought to be balanced and as the ancients say in equilibrio if preponderance here or there whether it be brain or spinal marrow cardiac functions or digestive ones you destroy him and make that dangerous kind of constitution that like a horse with a hard mouth or a boat with a weather helm always runs to one side that's well put well explained said harcourt who really thought the illustration appropriate now my lord there continued billy is all out of balance every bit of him bleed him and he sinks stimulate him and he goes raging mad tis their physical conformation makes their character and to know how to cure them in sickness one ought to have some knowledge of them in health how came you to know all this you are a very remarkable fellow billy i am sir i'm a phenomenon in a small way and many people thinks when they see and converse with me what a pity it is i haven't the advantages of education and instruction and that's just where they're wrong completely wrong well i confess i don't perceive that i'll show you then there's a kind of genius natural to men like myself in ireland i mean for i never heard of it elsewhere that's just like our irish emerald or irish diamond wonderful if one considers where you find it astonishing if you only think how easy it is to get but a regular disappointment a downright take-in if you intend to have it cut and polished and set no sir with all the care and culture in life you'll never make a precious stone of it you've not taken the right way to convince me by using such an illustration billy i'll try another then said billy we are like will-o'-the-wisps showing plenty of light where there's no road to travel but of no manner of use on the highway or in the dark streets of a village where one has business your own services here are the refutation to your argument billy said harcourt filling his glass tis your kindness to say so sir said billy with gratified pride but the sacred was he trusted me that was the whole of it all the miracles of physic is confidence just as all the magic of eloquence is conviction you have reflected profoundly i see said harcourt i made a great many observations at one time of my life the opportunity was favorable when and how was that i travelled with a based caravan for two years sir and there's nothing touches one to know mankind like the study of bastes not complimentary to humanity certainly said harcourt laughing yes but it is though for it is by a consideration of the ferro naturo that you get at the real nature of mere animal existence you see there man in the rough as a body might say just as he was turned out of the first workshop and before he was infiltrated with the divinus afflatus the ethereal essence that makes him the first of creation there's all the qualities good and bad love hate vengeance gratitude grief joy ay and mirth there they are in the brutes but they are in no subjection except by fear 
now it's out of man's motives his character is moulded and fear is only one amongst them do you apprehend me perfectly fill your pipe and he pushed the tobacco towards him i will and i'll drink the memory of the great and good man that first introduced the weed amongst us here's sir walter raleigh by the same token i was in his house last week in his house where down at gray hall you englishmen save in your presence always forget that many of your celebrities lived years in ireland for it was the same long ago as now a place of decent banishment for men of genius a kind of straw-yard where ye turned out your intellectual hunters till the season came along at home i'm sorry to see billy that with all your enlightenment you have the vulgar prejudice against the saxon and that's the reason i have it because it is vulgar said billy eagerly vulgar means popular common to many and what's the best test of truth in anything but universal belief and whatever comes nearest to it i wish i was in parliament i just wish i was there the first night one of the knobs calls out that's vulgar and i'd just say to him is there anything as vulgar as men and women show me one good thing in life that isn't vulgar show me an object a painter copies or a poet describes that is not so ay he cried impatiently when they wanted a hard word to fling at us why didn't they take the right one but you are unjust billy the ungenerous tone you speak of is fast disappearing gentlemen nowadays use no disparaging epitaphs to men poorer or less happily circumstanced than themselves fay said billy it isn't sitting here at the same table with yourself that i ought to gainsay that remark and harcourt was so struck by the air of good breeding in which he spoke that he grasped his hand and shook it warmly and what is more continued billy from this day out i'll never think so he drank off his glass as he spoke giving to the libation all the ceremony of a solemn vow d'ye hear that them's ours there's a boat coming in you have sharp hearing master said harcourt laughing i got the gift when i was a smuggler replied he i could put my ear to the ground of a still night and tell you the tramp of a revenue boot as well as if i seen it and now i'll lay sixpence it's pat morrissey is at the bow o'er there he rose with a short jerk and stroke there's no timing that's himself and it must be something urgent from the post-office that brings him over the lough to-night the words were scarcely spoken when craggs entered with a letter in his hand this is for you colonel said he it was marked immediate and the postmistress dispatched it by an express the letter was a very brief one but in honour to the writer we shall give it a chapter to itself End of chapter six recording by linda fredericks modesto california august two thousand twelve